Well, I'll tell you, I'm excited to get going again this morning. This book is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible because of its message to take this gospel message that has so impacted my life, your life, our life, and share it with others so that the same thing can happen in their lives. I'm going to start just by reading this morning the section that we're uh, going to take up, which is Acts chapter 1, 12 to 26, and then uh, we'll dive into our introduction after I read it. But just sit back and sort of absorb this. Last week, what we talked about was Jesus' ascension into heaven. And now, just following the ascension, as we're going to hear, the disciples returned to Jerusalem. Remember, they're still a little scared. They've seen Jesus crucified. Uh, he's been with them for 40 days, but they're still not quite sure. And Jesus had told them to hold on before they go anywhere to do anything because he was going to bestow the power of the Holy Spirit on them. So they go back to Jerusalem to obey Jesus' command to wait. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. This is not Judas Iscariot. This is uh, another second Judas. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So this is now getting to be a little bit bigger group, although these are all still mainly the same people that have been following Jesus throughout his three years of ministry. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the eleven apostles. The year that I'm about to share with you is 2014, 2014, we're in 2023, so this is what, 
nine years ago. And um, God laid it on my heart, and this was something that uh, had been on my heart for like 25 years, that having been a missionary in Zambia, Central Africa, I wanted to see us spread the gospel to countries uh, around Zambia. We were in one other country and are in one other country, uh, Malawi, and now it is things are starting to spread out from there. But I always had this idea uh, in, in my mind that we should go to Mozambique. Now, Mozambique, at the time, I originally had the idea, which was in the late 80s, mind you. So this is a, this is a little idea that's been cooking with me and several others for almost 30 years. And, um, and now I guess it would be over 30 years. She's nodding her head, so that's right. And it hadn't happened yet. And so in 2014, I said, you know what? I, just, I need to just trust God for this. And um, my former church, Crosswalk in Phoenix, had been setting aside some money to go globally with the gospel because from studying the book of Acts, we believed that every church needed to be something we called glocal. What does glocal mean? Glocal means that you want to reach out with the gospel locally, but also globally. So we called it, we shortened it into one word and called it glocal. We want to be a church that's glocal. And um, so with that made-up word, I bought some plane tickets from the money that we had set aside to be glocal, and I flew for the very first time to Mozambique. Now, Mozambique, as I said, presents some challenges. First of all, English is not the main lingua franca common language. It's Portuguese because it had been settled by Portuguese settlers. And I had no idea in this humongous country that is like three times the size of California where to start. And we had no contacts, zero. So I'm just going to fly in. This is a crazy idea as I'm hearing myself talk about it. And we're going to see what God will do. And uh, so I flew into Maputo, the, the capital city. Uh, I won't mention all the names, but then I hopped on a plane and flew to the other two major urban areas, north and south, because Mozambique is kind of shaped long like California is. And I, I just started driving around, looking around, talking to people, interviewing, seeing what I could find out myself. And it was a really interesting trip. But to keep a long story short, eventually I found myself back in the capital city, also the main center of commerce. And what was in my mind was this book. Where did Paul go? Well, he kind of tended to go to major urban areas, not out in the village. Now, that's a departure from what many of our church body's missions have done. They've tended, uh, because in our church body, our history is among rural people, farmers and so on. We've tended also in our world mission work to go amongst the farm folk. And I said to myself, well, if Acts is the model, let's go to uh, a major city and start there. And literally, I just started walking around, seeing who would talk to me, 
And, and it was somewhat limited because, remember, the common language is not English, it's Portuguese, and I know about two words, bom dia, that's hello. But I found people I could talk to. A lot of the people that worked in the hotel or the restaurant industry could speak English pretty well. And eventually, one by one, people got interested in what I was talking about. Jesus and the church and what we were hoping to do there. Here's a picture of Julie and me in one of the, this is not the very first trip, this is my first trip I made all by myself, but a little bit later on we're sitting and eating in a restaurant. And this is a picture of Crosswalk's outreach director and I, this was the second trip and um, we're just, like I said, walking around seeing who will talk to us and we come upon this soccer match out in a township area. We're being toured around. See the gentleman in the red shirt? His name is Manuel Casa. And he toured us around all afternoon on that day. And at the end of it, we were talking about a lot of different things. He said, so you guys want to come here and start a church, huh? Well, I'd like to be the first member of your new church. And of course, we didn't have any members. We had just met Manuel that day. And by the way, Manuel is still with us. He is still a contact that we talk to regularly. And Manuel is actually help, helping us establish a recovery ministry because on the very last day of this trip, Manuel called to us and he said, I've just, Phil and Jeff, I have something I, I, on my heart and it's burdening me, and I have to share it with you. And he shared with us that he struggles with alcohol addiction. And ever since then, that sort of guided the fact that we want to start a recovery ministry as part of our gospel outreach. Now, why do I tell you all this story? Well, it was brought to mind because this week I was in a meeting about Mozambique and the continuation of what started in 2014. It's still going as a ministry of crosswalk. It's the one little tie that I still have left to my former church. I'm still on this Mozambique team. And the pastor who succeeded me at crosswalk said, man, I am just so fired up about what we're going. He's going to make his first trip this year in September to Mozambique. And, I, and I, I'll share with you, I don't think he'd mind if I share with you, that even when I left to come here to Amazing Love, he still had huge doubts about why we were going all the way across the world to reach out with the gospel when we could just walk out the door and reach out with the gospel to our neighbors. And we'd have these conversations back and forth. And so in this meeting when he said, I'm just so excited to get crosswalk uh, behind this Mozambique thing and to go myself, I just asked him, so did something change? And he said, yeah. And this comes to my warning of all of you today, if you keep coming to this series, because the same change that Pastor Dan experienced may be coming for you if you keep coming to hear about the book of Acts. You know what he said? 
We've been working our way through the book of Acts for the last five years every summer. They, they haven't gone all the way through it from front to back. They just take two or three chapters every summer and they work their way, kind of like what we're doing. We're going to get through about two, two and a half, three chapters this summer. And that just going through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit has worked on my mind, worked on my heart, and I've seen this is God's plan for us as God's people to think globally. Yes, we, of course we have neighbors and friends and relatives that we want to reach out with the gospel. But Jesus said, you will be my witnesses when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you here in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Who knows, maybe one day Amazing Love will join Crosswalk and send because we have sent members of Crosswalk to Mozambique, maybe one of these days some of you are going to go and help keep this ministry to Mozambique going. And I hope when you do, you'll think about this series in the book of Acts. And I hope that you'll feel a sense of calling, which is what today's message is all about. Is that how did we get here, right? That's the first question I want you to ask yourself, how did we get here? And by here, I mean physically in this room. Don't answer, I drove my truck this morning, or I came on a motorcycle, or I came in the family van. That's not exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for spiritually. How did we get here to be part of this family? Amazing love. How did we get here to, to be part of this purpose, this glorious purpose and this mission to be witnesses to Christ throughout the world. What brought us to this point today where we're all, I think most of you somewhat willingly, listening to Luke teach us about what our life's purpose is. And I, I'm going to answer that question by asking you to look at the uh, several select verses from what, what I read earlier. Let's, let's take a look at Acts 1.13b and 14. Let's look how they got to the point they were at where they went back to Jerusalem together and were waiting for the Holy Spirit as Jesus commanded them. How did they get to the point where they saw Jesus' death for their sins, Jesus' resurrection power, Jesus' ascension into heaven to the right hand of God? How did they get there? Well, Let's look. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. If you count, as you would expect, you'll notice there are 11 men there. One is missing, Judas Iscariot, because as we heard described, he's already dead. And they're joining together to worship their Savior. Luke describes it this way. They all joined together constantly in prayer. They knew who they were following, didn't they? It was clear to them. They had witnessed all these things I just mentioned. Crucifixion, resurrection, ascension. None of that could be explained naturally. Something clearly supernatural was going on. And Jesus had made some amazing claims like, I am the Son of God. I am the Savior of the world. 
I am, you guys could probably help me finish this. Feel free if you'd like to. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now just, I'm going to give you a moment. Think about that claim. In a world especially like today where we say, well, all truth is personal. All truth is based on perspective. There is no objective truth. All truth is subjective. And yet Jesus, the Son of God, says, nope, I'm the truth. And if you want to be in the path of God's blessing, then put yourself in the path of the truth. And how do you get to be here in the path of the truth? Well, some of you grew up Lutheran. Not all of you. We're so happy that not all of you grew up Lutheran. We love having guests and visitors and people who don't have the background that some of us have. But if you grew up Lutheran, and if you went to confirmation class, and by the way, if you have 6th, 7th, or 8th graders, confirmation class will start again in September, and I hope you'll think about putting them in our confirmation class here at Amazing Love. And they will learn things like this. This is a quote from Martin Luther. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. Just pause there. The Bible says we're blind, dead enemies of God by nature. Of course we can't come to Him. We can't find the path, the way, the truth, and the life by ourselves. But here's what we studied last year, the power, uh, last week, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. Everything here is... God working on our hearts and minds. In the same way, He calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. That's Luther, according to the Scriptures, boiling it all down for us, the answer to this question, how do we get here? And what's Luther's answer? We were called to be here. We were invited powerfully by the Word of God to be here through which the Holy Spirit worked on our hearts and minds to hear Christ's invitation and to accept Christ's invitation. That's not us, that's Him. And then in another way, it is us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're accepting that invitation, but only Never by our own power, only by the Holy Spirit's power. Take a look at Mark chapter 1. Let's take a look. Original disciples again. We asked, how did they get in that room in Jerusalem? Well, you got to go all the way back to Mark chapter 1. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. They were just doing what they always do every day. Because they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people to be witnesses of the resurrection. At once, they left their nets and followed him. What's this? This is the Holy Spirit through the words of Jesus calling, gathering, enlightening, and sanctifying these men. 
Next passage from John. My sheep... Now, the first passage from Mark was a description of what happened to the disciples. This is the, the biblical principle, which applies to all of us. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So this is a description of you and me. How did we get to be here? Well, the answer is the power of the Holy Spirit working through the Word of God so that we hear Jesus' invitation and follow Him. Here's what I want you to write down as the first answer. We were called to be here. Not a phone call. And maybe you didn't hear it in these exact words, but somewhere along the line, maybe when you were still almost a newborn baby, your parents brought you to be baptized, and in that baptism, just a few days were old, Jesus said, follow me. Maybe you're more like me. It wasn't until I was 16, and it came through my basketball teammate and buddy and through going to church, and through listening to the family, and through the words of the pastor, Jesus said, come follow me. However you heard that invitation, that is, remember, Jesus' word is creative. The, the whole world was nothing. It was pure nothingness until God said, let there be light, and there was light. That same powerful word is what works in your heart. When Jesus says, follow me, those words produce the very power within us that we lack entirely until we hear those words and the Holy Spirit uses those powerful words to go, huh, yeah, I think I'll follow Jesus by his work. But that leads to the next question. How do we get here is the first question. The next question is, now that we're here, what are we to become, right? And so I want to take you back into the, some verses we read from Acts 1 earlier. Uh, Acts 1 verse 21. And I want you to pay attention to the verbs. Verbs are very powerful and important. You know what a verb is, right? As opposed to a noun. Remember grade school? A verb is a blank word, action word. Listen to the verbs. Therefore, it is necessary, I'm going to emphasize them a little bit for you, to choose one of the men who have been living with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. When you look at the verbs, you see there's some insistence there, isn't it? It is necessary. One of these must become a witness. Why do they say that? Why are they so strong about this? Why are they so insistent about this? And what is it that they're saying we must become? Well, we I answered this for you last week. It's just being repeated. And one of the reasons, have you ever heard the old Latin saying, 
repetitio mater studiorum est. Anybody from their Latin class in high school remember what that means? Repetitio mater studiorum est. You're, you're not all Latin scholars? Means repetition is the mother of learning. Re and I want you to, I want you, sometimes we allow ourselves to check out when things get repeated. You want to learn God's word really deeply? Fight that impulse to check out when things get repeated because repetition is the mother of all learning. And what's happening here is repetition. We heard it last week. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We're hearing it again. Why? The Bible tends to repeat things that are critical and important. One of these must become a witness. You can circle that word with us of his resurrection. And why that? Well, because the resurrection is the most important radical thing that has ever happened on planet Earth in its entire history. Someone came back from the dead. And, and here's a, a gentleman that even says that. For me, the most radical demand of the Christian faith lies in summoning the courage to say yes to the present risenness of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Not just that it's a historical fact, although that's critically important, and a real and physical fact that Jesus rose physically and bodily from the grave, but also that he remains risen today and seated at the right hand of God in control of everything in our universe and available to us with all this power to access. He invites us to come into his throne room, as we said earlier, with our sins, guilt, and shame, but also with all our prayers and requests. What's going on in your life right now? What is it that you wish you could talk to someone powerful and important about? What is it that you wish you could just unburden yourself and stop carrying around this, this big backpack of concerns and worries and hurts and shame, and you're just like, I wish I had someone to talk to about this. You do. You have the very alive, living Son of God to talk to about it. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to talk to about it. And you have the people that very powerful God works through, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to talk to. You have pastors that would be willing to talk to you about all those things, but primarily what's being said here is you have a risen Christ that you can talk to and hopefully do talk to every day. Notice what the apostles were doing. We read it earlier, but I'm going to reread it. They all joined together constantly in, help me, in what? in prayer. And we can do the same thing because we follow a risen Christ. Now, why that word must? We, we must have more witnesses to the resurrection because shortly before Jesus ascended into heaven, what had he told his disciples? Anybody here know what the great 
commission is? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Those are some of the last words that Jesus addresses to his disciples. And those words were not just meant for his disciples. Those words were also meant for us, his disciples today. And guess what the disciples who are here in a group of 120 are saying? What are they saying? We want to do what Jesus is asking us to do. We're excited to be on this mission that Jesus has given us, so we must have all the people we can have to do this. What are we here to become even today? Witnesses of Jesus' radical resurrection and the fact that he is still alive and still at work for us. So will you write that down? We are here to become witnesses of the resurrection. I want you to understand the impact I hope this has on your heart and mind today. So many people wake up and their whole entire focus is on getting in the shower, brushing their teeth, getting their clothes on, getting to work, getting through the work day, interacting with everybody at work, getting off, maybe having a little time to go to the gym or do something for a little while, some of you work very physical work. You might come home and take a little 15-minute snooze so you're awake for the kids. However your day plays out, do you realize how easy it is to get caught up on that, like that little rat wheel? And you're just scurrying as fast as you can to keep that wheel spinning? And there's no time to get off the wheel, it feels like. And ask yourself, but why am I really here? What is all this activity really supposed to be about? Like, what does God want us to be about? And, and if God wants us to be about that, now, God also wants us to be about feeding our children being a good husband to our wives, a good wife to our husbands, good grandparents, good pastors. God wants us to be about that. And so it's not like he means for us to get off the wheel entirely, just temporarily so we can see what the wheel is all about so that when we get back on the wheel, we can work our calling. Remember, we're empowered by calling. That's the message today. How can I work my calling into my everyday work? How can I work my witnessing into my interactions with my spouse and with my children and with my next door neighbor? How does... How, and sometimes when we're scurrying so fast on that wheel, there's, we're so depleted by the scurrying of the wheel that we don't take time to say, how does being a witness actually and practically work its way into my scurrying? And that's the question. I'm not going to answer that for you because you're all individuals, but that is the question I want to plant in your minds today. 
Because not all witnesses have to leave behind their family and their jobs. No, it can be your calling can be worked into your life. And I want you to ask, how could I do that? What would that look like? And here's the final question. What are some of us called to become and why? Now, this is interesting because I use the word some. And it's, it's clear that in this story, not everyone was going to be selected to become an apostle, right? Because they even picked two people to select from, and one of them doesn't get to be called an apostle because he's not going to become an apostle. Only Matthias is going to become an apostle. Hmm. I thought the church was about all of us being equal, right? Well, yes, it is, but you know my favorite word. We are all equal in the sight of God. We're all equally forgiven. We're all equally graced. We're all equally empowered. And God does call some of us for unique positions in the church, which he talks about. An apostle is one of them, but only one of several. Let's read the next few verses. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. That's different. You all have a personal ministry that God has called you to. You all have ways that you serve the Lord and glorify Him every day. But this is a little different from that everyday personal ministry that we all have. This is an apostolic ministry, what we would call public ministry, where you're serving on behalf of others, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. So there's a special calling. And how do you get there? Well, the church's job is to equip you to get there. I I have a, a slide. God does not call us to something without equipping us to do it. He faithfully gives us everything we need to walk with Him into the abundant life, including these special positions within the church, whatever God calls you to, He will equip you for. Show the next slide. It's the church's job to equip the saints for works of service in the world. One of the reasons why we are here is to equip you. And I'm going to share with you what I think is a lie that the devil has sometimes perpetrated on the church. And it's hurt the church. Because as that slide just said, we are here to equip all of us to serve in ministry. But there are some of us specially selected as equipping leaders of the church. And do you know what they're called today? In Paul's day, they were called apostles. In today's world, they're called pastors. Paul makes it clear pastors are not here to do the work. Now, we work. Pastors are here to equip the saints to do the work. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles, here's all these public ministries, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, I bolded it, 
to equip his people, you, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And here's the end goal, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And by the way, some of you can be called into these special public ministries too. It's not just pastors. Some of you are going to be invited to teach classes. Some of you are going to be invited to lead worship where you're taught through music. And I could go on and on. You get the point that when you are called into those special forms of ministry, it's an amazing blessing. Here's what I want you to write down. Some are called to public, that is, representative ministry, and these are called to equip Jesus' people for works of service. And one of the ways very practically we're going to do that in the next few weeks is Christian Essentials 4 class. I want you to see that next step. And if you would like the leaders of this church to equip you to tell your story of life with Jesus and share it with others and be a witness, then please take a look at CE4 class coming up on Saturday, July 29th. All right. Let's share our Christian faith together in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father. Through Him all things were made. For us and for our salvation He came down from heaven was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became fully human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. All right, I want to ask you guys this week, especially to be in prayer for our soccer camp that is starting on Monday. So please uh, just pray for a great success. And I want to say thank you in advance that um, we've got so many volunteers to help us with hosting and coaching. So thank all of you for coming around our effort on that. Most of the other uh, things are not urgent I will just say uh, and announce again this week as I did last week that in a few weeks at the end of July, you're going to notice some changes uh, on the stage here to our worship. So be anticipating that if you have questions about it. Um, all the same elements of the service are going to remain pretty much the same, uh, but uh, you'll notice some changes on the stage here. So I wanted to not shock or surprise anyone. If you have questions, I'll be seated on the stage afterwards. So if you wouldn't mind, let's pray.
Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much that you have called us to this great and glorious purpose of being eyewitnesses to your love and your power and sharing the message of the gospel with our neighbors and with the world around us. Lord, empower us through your words, through your calling. Empower us through your word and the, and the Holy Spirit to be willing and to be equipped to be witnesses in today's world. This world so desperately needs to hear about Jesus. We pray this in his name, and he is the one who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.